Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Hello and thank you for joining me for the second episode of a series following the Fairways Project, a collaboration between the Big Hoof, Running on Joy and the British Pilgrimage Trust, which aims to connect people to the outdoors through long-distance journeys on foot and horse along the old pilgrims' routes of the UK for the benefits of their mental and physical health. This July, our core team are setting out on our first 200-mile adventure along St Columba's Way in Scotland, raising money for the incredible work of the Venture Trust and specifically their new outdoor therapy programme for 16 to 25-year-olds and ex-service personnel. We're inviting others to join us on our journey for however long and in whatever way they can, in the hope of breaking down assumptions of what a runner, rider or hiker should look like, and to open conversations around the benefits of our relationship to nature and mindful slow travel. Details of how to financially support the project or join the journey and contribute to fundraising efforts are in the show notes or you can visit www.thebighoof.com forward slash fairways. Every little that you can give really does count towards changing the lives of vulnerable young people, some of whom will also be joining us for two days on this first journey, thanks to your support. Running on Joy will be following the adventure, and there will be some incredible conversations and in-the-field storytelling emerging over the coming months, as well as interviews with patrons and collaborators connected to the project, each of whom have amazing stories and adventures of their own to share. My guest today started off as a chorister at Cambridge University, where they took a PhD in music. However, skewing an academic career, they decided to tread a more intersectional pathway, exploring the rich melting pot of spirituality, psychology, the arts, nature and religion. From this melting pot has emerged the British Pilgrimage Trust, of which they are the founder, a charity that works to open ancient ancient pilgrimage routes around the UK and initiate conversations around how we engage with our Christian heritage, even if we are not traditional Christians. The BBT is about helping people to reconnect to and re-enchant the land in an accessible and multifaceted manner. They have also worked on the revival of Evensong in the UK, launching a website where people can find local Evensong services near them and go along and listen to the beautiful music free of charge. It's my pleasure to now delve into the weeds of all the things that are going on with them and invite them to introduce themselves in the manner of their choosing. Hello and welcome to Running on Joy. Hello. Gosh, running on joy. That's such a nice title. Um, yes, I well, how would I introduce myself? I think you've done a very good 
way of doing it. I, I, I like the word intersectional. I like dancing around lots of different ways of thinking and um, bringing it all together. And I love how pilgrimage is a really great container for that, um, for all of life to sort of come into one big melting pot. And I love that. So yeah, that's a great introduction. Thank you. <laughs> It's okay. Lovely to lovely to have a chance to chat, Guy. And in 2014, um, you went on a quest for the source of a song, if I'm correct. And your co-pilgrim, Will Parsons, observed a view on that journey. Guy, my guest on this journey, learned everything tremendously quickly. Well done, you. And I could measure the days by the increased brightness of his eyes. Um, just to kick us off, can you just talk to me about how that combination of slow travel, intention and music was a bit of a turning point for you? It was, yeah, it was kind of the turning point in my professional life, for sure, possibly even life itself. Um, because I, firstly, it got me outdoors. And I think um, I hadn't realised how much I needed the outdoors and how much I needed to be a, a proper human being with but with that also means the animal parts of me um the, the the bit that the animals love being outdoors all the time and just existing in all the different elements and the uh and in a different habitats and you know how that all changes you i think it becomes quite very similar when you're just in four walls the whole time so i think that was a big change the intentional side well, it was interesting. The intentional side was sort of that to get out of um, being behind a laptop and doing a PhD. And then there was also an, an, this song element. The intention was the song. The intention was to take this song back to where it came from in, in terms of the, the shared narrative between us, between me and Will, for the whole journey was taking this song back to where it came from. And so that's that was a new kind of intention. We hadn't really got into the whole art of making intentions and things like that. Um, so it was, that was it really. We weren't, we weren't thinking too much per, about personal intentions. Um, from what I remember anyway, I, it's funny, it's a long time ago, it's nine years ago now. Um, and I think what, what happened when I went out was we washed in the rivers, we we cooked by the campfire, we touched the trees, we sometimes ate the fruit of the trees, the yew berries and things like that, Not didn't crunch on them because they're poisonous. But um, And then just all sorts of ways of actually immersing yourself in nature, going into the pubs and actually talking to all the, the locals. I've never done that before. Um, and it just made me feel slightly more connected to this world. It really sounds like it drew you kind of out of yourself and really authentic and kind of multi-sensory ways really yeah yeah out of myself but then also into myself as well in a, in a proper way and you mentioned there that you, you sort of hadn't really acknowledged what the outdoors meant for you or could do for you your connection to it did you have any notion of a, a kind of connection to nature when you were growing up before this that's a very good question. It's almost like, um, yeah, that, so if, if anything was really happening, the most important aspect of what was, was happening was it was bringing me back to who I was as a six-year-old boy. And who, and I did like going out in nature and looking at the birds and listening to the bees and the, and the birds and the, and 
and then going out with this dog called Flossie and running around the meadows and things. I I just I was so alive back then, and I think education had sort of educated out of me that joy. You're called running on joy, so I know all about this. But um, and uh, yeah, I think that sort of educating out of of being simply in nature and having to become a clever human being um was a big part of why I really really needed this yeah I think children don't think about things and I I say that um in a positive manner because you mentioned there about kind of being drawn back to your animal self and I think children are very much more instinctive and intuitive in the way that they engage with the world and I know that some of your things that some of the things that you've written around music as well have been concerned with not thinking too much about it oh yeah um well I think that if you you know a singer if they're thinking too much about their, their what they're singing about as they're doing it it, it sounds a bit strange um uh because I've often done sung entire song cycles in German where I didn't understand what the words meant and um all I did was know how to pronounce the words. And so German speakers thought I spoke German because the, the sound of the words was correct. But um, I, I, I think I did tell one of them. I was like, I don't actually understand any of that. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but I think it was just I was led by the music because the composer does understand it and the Schubert understood the, the poetry he was setting. So I just went along with what he'd written as much as I could and really sort of... Um, settled into it and so yeah and I think I think a lot of music happens in buildings and what really attracted me to this first ever walk which then we later called a pilgrimage was the fact that I was taking the song into the landscape into the wild rewilding the song I love that rewilding a song that that's a beautiful expression and was something was some of that also to do with the synchronicity established by walking and conversing and singing simultaneously because I know that's something that you looked at a a little bit with your master's degree as well and where did that interest originate from um yeah the masters yeah uh, that was extraordinary when I realized later that what I was doing was what I'd done in my masters. I'd actually forgotten about it. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't yeah, know which yeah, one it was came really... first. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, it wasn't like I thought. Well, I've done the masters. I now better do it for real. It wasn't like that <laughs> at all. It's just um, um, we did a little bit of walking and singing. There are some songs that lend themselves. Well, it's home, boys, home, home. I'd like to be. Home for a while in the old country where the oak and the ash and the body rowan tree are all growing greener in the old country. We sung that like over and over again, just sort of marching along. But that works well for, for walking because it has a sort of walking rhythm, walking pace. But um, most songs we stop in the place and then sing it. Yeah. Um, the, 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 yeah, my, my research, I, it just was an important question in music, you know, how do how do we entrain, how do we get in, in time with someone else? How do we synchronize our movements, our our singing, our everything? Um and because it's such a fundamental principle of any living organism 
often come into contact with another living organism similar or even across species so you fall into rhythm with each other it's a principle and it's a it's a very strange one you know what is it about rhythm what is it about being in time and so that's why i studied it um for how it relates to social conversation and i guess what i've learned over the years of walking with people is that social conversation kind of works better when you're walking precisely because sometimes you can just walk you don't have to talk the whole time you're not looking in each other's eyes that's a really big thing um but i think it's more than that i think that when you start walking your your mind changes like changes gear i'm sure when you run it changes into even in different gear but um that gear allows you to drop down into deeper conversation when you're walking with people mm, it's as if rhythm kind of creates space in a way that as you say you can either fill or or not fill that's true I, maybe it's the rhythm that's driving the conversation it, the, the the experiment that I did it was there was a significant there was a difference there was like it, there was more synchrony when people spoke alongside each other than when they didn't but it wasn't really significant but then I didn't do that many trials so chances are it was significant difference that when they were actually talking to each other some they were somehow synchronizing more with them and it's hard to know whether the synchrony is what's driving the conversation or whether the conversation is driving the synchrony but it's I don't really it's not probably a stupid question to ask really because it's obviously just all part of the same act and that's what I do love about pilgrimage in general is the sort of 360 totality of what's going on you're you're listening to nature you're looking at nature you're you're connected with your body you're connecting with your the people around you you're um connected with nature more broadly the sky the the seas, the rivers, the, the trees, the everything. And and then you're sometimes connected with something beyond nature, you know, possibly the cosmos itself and um, maybe even beyond that. And um, there are all these different practices you can do within it. There's such a rhythm of the day. You wake up, um, in, let's say, if you're camping and then you get all your stuff together and then you walk for a bit, then you have breakfast, then you walk another bit then you go to a church or you come across a tree or a holy well or um there's sort of variety all the way all the way through the day and it has its own rhythm and through that you learn so much about the the forgotten emotions as well like the, the, the more time you give the walk the more or pilgrimage the more the emotions that you've maybe you've completely forgotten about that they start to bubble up inside and come to the surface and then you're surprised that you're thinking about these things again it's a bit like when you mm -hmm. fast when you fast for a long time the old wounds start to represent themselves and they start to heal um, so maybe a wound you've got like four, 30 years ago could or 10 years ago or five years ago or whatever it could come to the surface and that's quite an interesting thing and i think stuff like that happens on pilgrimage if if you, if you give it long enough time mm, it's really interesting i i teach and practice breath work and the same thing can happen 
um, when people first become aware of where the breath is moving in their body, it can suddenly release really quite intense emotional experiences that they weren't even aware of. I wonder whether this, if, if that's the case, I wonder whether that, that walking is something to do with breath work because you are getting into a very regular rhythm of breath by the nature of walking because it has its own regular rhythm. And so it doesn't, it's not, I mean, I've done a bit of breath where it can be very intense and quite quick and, you know, you can get those sorts of experiences quite fast, whereas walking takes longer. So maybe it just, that that um, extended duration of, of being in that regular breath is what draws you into these different emotional spaces. I think, I also think that your mood is boosted by walking and i think there are lots of therapies out there now for raising your mood enough um in order that you can deal with things that maybe hurt quite a lot and um, the most extreme being veterans taking mdma to lift them up ex to ecstasy levels so that um really tricky tra traumas that they can't speak about that they had severe ptsd from they can then actually talk about because they they they've got they're high enough, as it were, to actually deal with it. I think there's something something going on like that with walking. Mm, that's really interesting. And also, you you spoke there kind of about the the interconnectivity between all things in a way that comes through the act of pilgrimage, the act of walking, the act of conversing, and and singing together. Does that kind of fit into a theory of? extended consciousness as well do you think both with ourselves and with with other things in the world yeah um so interconnectedness one thing that because because you're being presented with lots and lots of different stimuli like you know whatever they are like birds trees rivers um churches bakers shops like post office shops you know pubs and like there's this is, i'm talking about countryside pilgrimage you can do urban pilgrimage too but like when you're all these different slices of life, I guess you're um, that's you start to form the connections. You start to to make them. You start to feel more grounded in them. Uh, so there's interconnectedness in that sense. There's the more some would say spooky or woo woo form of interconnectedness, which is that every single action affects another action in in the world and in the universe um that's more hard to prove um although you do maybe get a sense on pilgrimage that sometimes stuff like that's going on like for example on this first pilgrimage we did taking the song back when we finally arrived at the monument which was where the song was about 37 hot pickers one might say um you know what travelers and that sort of thing um romanese um from London but they were probably down there in the country and they they drowned off a bridge because the bridge broke and then they drowned in the river and so they were they were buried in this ch churchyard and there was this monument to them and when we got to the monument there was a couple standing by it and we we're like well, who else is coming to this monument we've been walking for a week like who are these people and we said what, what are you doing here? And they said, well, we tried to find this place 10 years ago. We couldn't find it, but now we have, but we're about to leave in five minutes. We're like, well, what's your connection to the tragedy? And they said, well, three of my ancestors died in the tragedy. And 
We're like, wow, um, that's absolutely amazing, uh, extraordinary. Um, and do you do you know the song about it? And they hadn't heard the song, so we got to return the song to the bloodline and not just the place. And I think it was in that moment that I realised something very special had just happened, and it was a synchronicity, which is when things come together in unexpected and unexplainable, inexplicable ways. Um, and but that one was set, felt so meaningful, and for some reason, in that moment, we both realised that we had to create something like the British Pilgrimage Trust because it was more than a walk. It was it was a pilgrimage, and the pilgrimage was because it had this narrative from start to finish, and it had a very, you know, you can come up with your own personal intention, which gives it a narrative, but this was a external narrative of the song, which then became part of my internal story but yeah but it, but with these people it was just that that was the interconnectedness of all things and I think um what did, what was the phrase you used extended consciousness yeah I mean you could say that our desire to do this and having this destination in mind and taking the song was somehow affecting this the cut the the movements of this couple or vice versa maybe the couple who the fact they were going there it sort of prompted something in us then you get into the realm of like is there destiny are we fated to do stuff and I, yeah it gets a bit complicated pretty quickly because obviously we, we also want to have free will as well so i don't know these are difficult questions um where what did you what did you want me to say to the in answer to that question about extended consciousness I kind of like thinking about it in terms of resonance, I guess, which is yeah, also think... kind of re relative to to song, I guess, too. But... Yeah, I think one thing I would definitely say about interconnectedness is that you you're in your you're quite in an open minded state as a pilgrim, and I do start to notice things more. So unusual coincidences or connections. They, they take on a greater significance when you're walking because, frankly, you have the mental space and bandwidth to actually take them on and actually process them and even realise they're there. You know, the pace we go at chomping through our emails, um, there's not much space for that kind of coincidence. And even if it does happen, you kind of roll over it pretty quickly because you're on to the next thing. Whereas you've got time to actually take this on take these coincidences on board and so i think you become aware of the interconnectedness of things a, a bit more because you've got more time to be synchronicity and this sort of the more um let's say unusual or spooky or woo woo connections and inter inter interconnectivity and synchronicity and coincidence and the, i see these as a bonus i th i see them as like reminders that you're on the right path but i don't think they are the path themselves i think you can get so much out of, of a pilgrimage which has no which has no coincidence in it at all i don't think it shouldn't be like a marker of whether it's a successful pilgrimage or not i just think when it does happen it's like a a wonderful happening that it's just a gift really and it's it's but it's it's not essential for for all the benefits to happen. I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't know why I felt that I need to say that, but I do, because I think people can get really 
um, hung up on it. And um, there are all sorts of ways that synchronicity can present itself and it can come in a feeling too. And and just there are all, all different ways. So it's just, just immerse yourself in the actual experience and then just enjoy whatever happens, I think. No, I think I'm I'm really grateful for you saying that because I think it is important. I think people can sometimes, they might feel a pressure that they have to have this experience and then it becomes about kind of defining the experience that they have, which must be dictated by these, these woo-woo, as you say, moments and they must find these synchronicities and they must have this kind of epiphany. Um, and actually it's not about that. It's about what you take away from quite a, a, a the bottom of it a very simple act of moving through the landscape and any kind of external pressure then takes away from mm. that I think yeah maybe having just said what I said um this particular synchronicity was important to, for me to to <laughs> to to decide to change course I kind of needed it um as a like a a validation of the fact that this is quite special and this is quite a powerful practice um and but i'd sort of been changed by the whole journey too and it doesn't have to be com uh magical in that sense it can just be just being outside and being walking every day and just going to these places of heritage made such a difference to, to how i was feeling that i just thought well this is something i need to do more of and Perhaps more people need to do more of, um, rather than just a, a straightforward holidaying that everyone seems to do, where they go in cars to particular like tourist sites, get out, have a look at it, they get back in the car. You know, not having a car for a week was just so special. But I very much was on holiday. There was no less on holiday because I didn't have a car. And perhaps more on holiday, um, or holy day, depending on what you call it. So I guess the I myself am prone to reading reading into the magical side of life and 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 engaging with these sorts of questions of extended consciousness but I know that not everyone is and I don't think it's necessary to for, for people to have a very very meaningful experience um that they that they carry for, with them for the rest of their lives so if for me yes it made a big difference and I was motivated but there were all, all these other reasons I was motivated too. But I wanted to bring this to other people. Will was very charismatic because he'd been doing it for a lot longer than I had. I mean, he'd been doing it for like 10 years before me and had been walking multi-month journeys, not just a week-long journey. Um, but he had a kid, so he, needed, he now needed to make more contracted journeys, small, shorter ones. And uh, so this worked well because we wanted to, we thought, yeah, let's bring back pilgrimage. Like, and then we thought, like, why isn't pilgrimage happening already in Britain? And we look, like, oh, because it's uh, Henry VIII bandit and Thomas Cromwell wrote injunction, which meant that pilgrimage couldn't happen in this country, which was sad in a way because obviously all the relics and all the sacred saints' relics had been destroyed, and all of the the monasteries that housed pilgrims for free were destroyed. Um, but it had given us a chance to create a whole new tradition that was a lot more open and inclusive. It didn't have to be Christian. It didn't have to be religious even. It could be pagan or it could be 
just not not anything at all just um walking with purpose even as simple as that um and then obviously there are buddhist places there are atheist places you could go to and there are you know there are like the humanist temples of humanism in london and uh yeah there are all sorts of different kinds of places you can go to the prehistoric stone circles and barrows and burial mounds and and we just thought oh, there's so many of these time worn and time cherished places and there's the connection between them of nature and this is something that everyone could benefit from and uh upgrading a walk to a pilgrimage by giving it this purpose or intention is a very simple is a very simple tweak but it has quite a big change on the whole experience and i think when people use the word pilgrimage or i'm a pilgrim they start to sort of settle into a different kind of mindset and they don't quite know what it means like because we're so unpracticed out of practice in, in using it but it does something if you say i'm a hiker versus i say i'm a pilgrim you don't even need to know all of the backstory to both of those terms you start to act differently and, and we've noticed that over and over again mm, that's really interesting because it's actually the word pilgrim or pilgrimage in the first instance might be the thing that some people might feel is a little off-putting because of the historical context of it of having the kind of the the baggage and in inverted commas of history and religion and maybe expectation but actually the way that you're reframing it is actually it can be an asset that then expands your identity in a way as well as expands what you what you take from that journey yeah i mean the it's kind of mad to take pilgrimage on really as a word um as a brand from the point of view of branding and stuff because it's like it requires such a such a big rebranding exercise if you want to talk in those terms and right at the beginning so many people said what are you doing like this is this is way too christian like a, a word and but actually we we really feel that we should reclaim pilgrimage back from religions owning it because i don't think the concept of walking with purpose um or you know questing you know think think about like the odyssey or the aeneid or the iliad or like lord of the rings or all these kind of big quests like narratives they're not specifically religious they're not they may fit into some kind of moral framework but like that's what people think religion is now sadly it's just a moral framework but like um no it's it's way beyond that you can have salmon that go on pilgrimage starlings that go on pilgrimage um uh and it's sort of built into our in, into like ecology itself this need to make long distance journeys for health and for the food that we eat between summer and winter like our hunter-gatherer past these some of the routes that we now tread are probably hunter-gatherer routes too so you know at the end they'd have found their treasure of of food we now find our treasure in terms of like well in medieval times we found it in terms of like a saint's relics um but there's a similarity between those two it's still pilgrimage but um some people find that like very challenging as a way of looking at, at looking at it so i don't know but i think it we have to find a way of looking at this very powerful means of journeying uh, that can include everyone mm. i guess in the in the sort of narrative of the hero classical hero's journey there's the return 
home in a kind of in a physical sense but I guess in this sense the return home could be a, a, a change in oneself that then one takes back is there an importance in the notion of pilgrimage of what you take back into the world from the experience yeah um I don't know how to answer this because on the sense it's it's kind of it's quite worthy to say that I'm going to be helping the mm. world when I return with my new incredible self. Well the hero's journey can be a bit worthy, um, I think, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can it can be. Um I think it it does if you are if you are genuinely changing and you are improving aspects of your life and you're tying up loose ends and in your emotional life and you're you're coming up with breakthroughs undoubtedly you're going to be different when you get when you come back and so it will just happen um i yeah i can't i it's um whether you have to go out of your way to like to, to spread the word or you could just be the new person you are and, and hopefully that'll be enough um obviously we want you to go out of your way and spread the word and evangelize but but uh <laughs> i don't think you have i don't think you have to i don't think you have to to have an impact because you know be the change you wish to mm. see in the world if people see that you have changed they'll come up to you and ask what happened and in terms of the guided pilgrimages that um that you've led what kinds of people have been attracted to that and have you seen changes in them through the journeys that you've undertaken as will observed in you sort of in in that first comment on the light in your eyes have you seen the light in other people's eyes yeah I have I have um I'm actually I'm used to it now basically <laughs> I think when they <laughs> Oh, it's just another light there we go <laughs> it is yeah kind of yeah um some more than others definitely some more than others for some it like really taps into who they are and they suddenly realize it's the, it's something that they never realized they needed they never knew they needed this practice in their lives um but as with any practice not it's not going to work for everyone it's not going to be the, the exciting thing for everyone for example if you take extreme sports like skiing down a hill really fast or like climbing a, a really treacherous rock rock face like that creates a certain level of presence and awareness that you know you could argue walking doesn't um so so some people are going to need are going to crave those kind of more intense experiences but i think even those people um they they understand that walking has its own gentle way into your psyche and um so I think, yeah, with the guided pilgrimages, I I get all sorts of people, um, uh, different belief systems, different ages, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, it really does cover the wide spectrum of society. Um, and they generally, by the end, they're generally smiling and they've generally got more light in their eyes. Yeah, for sure. And and at the beginning, they always look a little, they can look quite nervous. And it's quite interesting because one lady recently said to me, she goes, I was really nervous to come on this because I didn't, I thought I'm not a pilgrim and like, I don't, 
you know, am I going on a pilgrimage? You know, if this is what's happened to me. You know, what am I going to say to my family? And it's like, whoa, I had no idea people were going through these, these, these thought processes and these, these like processes in general. And I said, um, I, I said, well, there's nothing to worry about. As you can see, it's like, it's just walking along a road. Like it's, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I get it now. I get it. It's fine. It's fine. She's like, yeah, but um, you have to, I think in this day and age, you, I, we maybe what I'm not aware I'm doing is I'm sort of treading this tightrope between all the different belief systems. You know, I'm often we people's. You know, I, we 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 realize we're sort of too Christ, we're too Christian for the pagans. We're too pagan for the Christians. We're we're too we're we're too religious for the atheists we're too atheistic for the religious people like we're just like we're wrong for everyone and and then you start to realize you're right for everyone because you're walking on this tightrope between all of them and uh that is where i try to aim i try to on some level make everyone both comfortable and slightly uncomfortable because it means you're sort of on the edge of that that thing that brings us all together and that's being human and making pilgrimage and i think um that's that's how i handle that it's quite but there's there's a lot of subtlety to that and it's a bit of trial and error over time um and also to be honest people just as soon as you if you go if you overstep the mark generally they'll pick you up on it and then they'll say what do you really mean by that and then you have to sort of explain yourself so you can usually usually get a second chance but by the end the whole experience does actually bring them all together as a group and it and they are they're happy to have been shown this other way of walking through either a city or the landscape and yeah it generally creates a lot of joy and yeah, I think I've answered the question. Absolutely. I, I have a couple of things off the back of that. Where did that lure of the the tightrope, as you've described it, come from? I mean, what was your experience of religion growing up? And has that changed? <laughs> and why why has it changed? <laughs> um yeah, so I um as with a lot of families, I imagine out there, um religion does tear it can tear it apart a bit or or at least put it division into it um yeah my parents are both christian scientists which is a a religion that was formed in 1875 by a boston-based woman called mary baker eddy and she was obviously some kind of renowned healer but had this philosophy of christianity that was um that being in prayerful connection with god and that was enough to heal everything and um they are known they're not scientologists but um they are known as the the, the religion that doesn't take medicine and people die because they don't get diagnoses that's the that's the bad pr for it um i had this conflict because i loved my parents and they were very they're very sweet kind pure people really special people um but they had this quite quite extreme philosophy in my opinion oh or more to the point it was just one philosophy and i wanted to explore everything and and that wasn't 
that wasn't necessarily seen as the right way forward um, to explore everything. It was, I was told I was, was probably, I don't know, I can't remember everything. But the point is, though, in other generations of the family, like my grandparents, and they were, they were against it. Um, they tried to like bring us over to the the sort of the, the other side of Anglicanism, and then, and I just thought there was just so much sadness around it all, and. I thought, does it really matter? I mean, there, there are all these other religions too. There are all these other belief systems, and there, and atheism's got a got a point. You know, it, it's like a whetstone on which you can sort of sharpen what you actually believe. You know, like because it's because it's a kind of purifying fire. You know, atheism just burns everything to the ground. Um, it's a kind of negative position um, because it does that. You have to build something new in its place, and that makes more sense than before. Um, and you actually have to answer the questions that, that, that humanism is asking. Um, uh, and I think that's all good. And I, I think, I mean, some I, humanist services, like I've been to in Conway Hall, like they're very, they're like evangelical services. I mean, they, the energies are like very high and like it's it's like going to a really kind of almost like a happy clappy christian church quite it's quite an amazing experience and i i just realized that there's this just need in everyone to connect to more than themselves and there are so many different ways of doing that and everything has its place and it's like a big rainbow of different colors and i just wanted to see the rainbow i think and i think pilgrimage is a very good way of bringing a lot of people together who otherwise wouldn't walk together and talk about things and for me, that that's the true meaning of religion, which is to, well, religio means to like bind together, and um, it's a way, it's a wonderful tool of forming bonds between communities and between people, and in the true sense of the word, rather than division. I think religion has come to mean division, sadly, um, often people find it, you know, for all different reasons, they they find it oppressive or, um. Some people love it. Some people, and actually, I'm 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 accused of being anti-religious actually by certain people, and I don't I don't feel I don't feel anti-religious. I mean, I'm an irregular churchgoer myself. Like I, I, I just I just don't want the excesses to get too too excessive. Really, I, I want them. I want everything to come together in an inclusive whole. Yeah. Uh, so I think that comes from my past and working out my in my own mind what I believed. I'm not sure I could give a succinct answer to what I believe if you did no, ask I'm me No, I'm interested. Now, but... Like, do you think paradox in that sense kind of enhances spirituality? Uh, yeah, because I do think um, at the heart of reality, there are often conflicts and of of logic. And that's when we... When our brains go into a bit of they can that's when things can go wrong basically um when your psyche comes into a real conflict with itself two opposing ideas um to how depending on how you handle that um is a very important uh it, it, very important for deciding how your life's going to go and um freud has all these different coping mechanisms of how to deal with psychic conflict and i think um humor is at the top so being able to have two opposing ideas and yet laughing at them, I think is really fun. I really, I love that.
and um the most basic ones are like straight flat out denial that anything's going on you know that's that's the most basic form of of um, coping mechanism or even repression where you you push it down before your consciousness is even aware of pushing it down you've just you've already buried it so there are like there's a whole spectrum between that and and humor and yeah paradox i think is if everyone keeps just keeps laughing and smiling and, and finding it funny then everything's fine basically but it's when it's when it becomes a bit tricky and denial denial's involved or whatever then all sorts of things start to go wrong is that where your performances with bounder and cad have emerged from well i mean i'm lucky to work with adam true who's a fantastic writer and very gifted comic um in the writing sense i'm i'm probably more of a comic when i perform in the clowning sense um and we we have this sort of good double act thing going on and um yeah i love i mean gosh i love dealing with difficult subjects that create a lot of pain um in society and then making people laugh about them and actually genuinely from both sides we've got a brexit song for example that both sides of the equation think it's their song <laughs> and so we I've had I've had really strong remainers coming up to us after the performance saying thank you so much for writing that song it really means a lot to me I'm you know I'm, I'm a strong remainer and like we need a song like this then I've had the chairman of the UKIP party come up to me say I want your song for next like like um, party conference and we really sing <laughs> alongside Katie Mitchell and I was like whoa <laughs> like um like is it Katie Mitchell? What's the what's the, what's the really strident? Uh, Katie, Katie Hopkins. Um, is it Katie Hopkins? That's it. Katie Hopkins. Yeah. yeah, Katie Mitchell's yeah. a playwright. Yeah. Isn't she? <laughs> She'd be I know very Katie Hopkins. Uh, uh, yeah, no, 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 she liked the UK <laughs> position. And then uh, Katie Hopkins. I was like, um, no, I think that's a bit too. For I don't think we can perform at the UK party. And he's like, are we too toxic? He's like, uh, yeah, you are. Um, and basically, um, it was great. Um, yeah, we had a friend who actually got cancelled um for the rest of his career because he did a UKIP party um so uh, so yeah I guess we I love creating things which are you don't know where you can't place it or you think it's yours and it's not and it's yeah that's it's a great position to be in and I and on some level I like it when people can't work out what I am when they come to the end of a mm -hmm. pilgrimage but some people get really annoyed by that as well. They think, come on, just speak up, just say what you actually feel. Come on, don't be, don't be so shy. And I, I don't know. I just I just don't I don't want to fix myself. There's a lot here about acceptance. Is that a word that has resonance with you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I don't think this is, I don't think you're going to solve these issues by ideas, you know, like, like logic and because I think ideas can form some kind of structure of thought, uh, thought that you can use if you're talking to someone else, perhaps think you're thanking yourself, but at the end of the day, it's experience that counts. It's what you experience and what's true for you and what is shown to be true by your own life. I don't think there's any, there's no shortcut. And I think pilgrimage is an experience. It's not. It's not a belief system. And I and that that for me is the core of all of this. 
Does that also inform some of the mission behind the Coral Evensong project as well? Yeah. Um, well, music is the, the the dominant factor in Coral Evensong, and Coral Evensong is a forty-five minute church service in the Church of England. Is found uh, written in 1549, designed, and then ever since then, all our best composers, musical composers, have written some of the best music um, for this service. And it's in 16th century traditional English, um, you know, like Shakespearean style English, and it's very beautiful and it's mainly music. And so you go into these beautiful cathedral buildings with their sacred geometry, the stained glass windows, and the the echoing sound of the these immaculate choirs singing um 500 year old renaissance polyphony of a, uh, all the way up to modern day composition as we heard in the coronation and you know this is happening all over britain and no one knows about it the church don't promote it um and it's just it's a really good way into understanding what heritage we do have and it's like one of our best cultural jewels potentially our best cultural export um, but no one seems to go and we wanted to create an online directory that shows what it is and you just type in the postcode and you find the nearest one and you go and experience it and you don't have to believe anything you don't have to say amen or like i believe or anything you just go and soak it up and then just you can leave and it's you can be anonymous and uh but just have a have a very unusual experience that with music that really kind of lift you up how do you think people's relationship with the church is going to develop in the coming years i think it's i think that's really it's going to be hard to say but unless i unless you also ask the other question which is how do you think the church is going to respond to the decline that is obvious mm. um if they go fighting they go down fighting i think it will then uh attitudes will harden towards the church um and when i say fighting i mean like trying to sort of reinstate an even more orthodox um like strongly held um position uh, uh, to double down on what they believe uh, um which is what some people are doing um i think if they listen to what people actually want and actually start to give them a little bit more of what they want. For example, like at Lincoln Cathedral, there's this sacred space service where you're free to roam around the cathedral and experience it in whatever way you like. There's beautiful lighting and there's candles. You can light a candle. You can put your hand in the holy water and the font. You can lie down on the ground looking up at the ceiling. You can put a stone on a cairn. You can do a start drawing in response to um texts that you read or uh, it, it's basically lots of different options of stuff to do and it's your leading your own experience and people are loving it and it's very popular and i think giving the allowing people to explore these spaces in their own way rather than having to sit down and stand up and sit down and then being told what to do i think there's that sense of individually coming to discovering your own your own spirituality but there's a lot of pushback against that because they're obviously the communal singing and and other sides of it are, are really great and people love that i don't know i don't know where it's going to go i i really hope they start to 
hand over these churches more to the community for what they want to use them for because otherwise the services just aren't drawing people enough to warrant them having full control of the parish you know in the parish church councils like letting the the religious people have full control over what happens in the church i think it needs to be given back to the community but this is very controversial thing to say i mean some people think that's really wrong but but i don't know i i'm intrigued the fact is when they if some of them are very being very innovative and being very responsive because they have to be because they they haven't got a choice they have to change and they know they have to change so they are starting to change i mean like in grace cathedral in san francisco they do yoga mornings for 800 people 800 yoga mats they just clear all of the seats they have this massive cathedral and they, everyone does yoga like at the same time massively popular and it's massively sacred as well and people are drawn to the church because of that not pushed away from it not obviously the more hardcore church people say this is nonsense or whatever but i it's just you know evolution just doesn't stop and it will just you know whatever it will just i can't wait to see what does happen i'm I'm intrigued i'm intrigued but i don't know the i don't know what so it's will. allowing for a bit of creativity and creativity is kind of at the the heart of a lot of what we've been saying and also at the heart of being human embracing a bit of the the messiness and i think as you've been saying in terms of why pilgrimage is of even more vital importance now it's about getting away from those practices and schedules that keep us in this really strict mechanical routine of stand up sit down answer the email and the next one <laughs> and I think I mean personally I yes, think getting a yeah. bit messy with our beliefs is it's just what we need to be doing <laughs> yeah and actually just not even worrying about the beliefs I mean once you start walking a pilgrimage you're not really thinking about your belief system you're thinking about getting to the next pub or getting to the next <laughs> getting to the next like waypoint on the you know getting to where you're going to sleep at night it's a bit life becomes a lot more simple i think it's the simplicity we crave more than anything not 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 more as more sophisticated belief system well just to to go back to something more simple before i ask you the final joy question that i ask all my guests we uh we started with a song um so let's let's finish with one how do you think anyone at any time can connect to the power of music okay is to listen to how it makes you feel so when you listen to a piece of music feel it feel what it does to you and don't obviously listen to it but try not to go into a analytical thing where you like listen to specific words or well I just listen to how, how you like but but focus on how the how, at the end of the day how you're then feeling after it or during it because music is at it's at its most powerful at, in changing your how you feel and um leading you to different energetic horizons where you feel suddenly you're in a different space you're tuned into a different frequency of of the of the world and of life itself and um if you start listening to music in that way you'll you'll start to realize that music is is, is very mysterious and like what it can actually do 
think that's really powerful. Just like, as we were saying about tuning in with your breath, tuning into actually how you feel emotionally about, about something is, is, is a really powerful thing, I think. And we are going to be uh, getting evangelical with <laughs> singing about the British Pilgrimage Trust through fairways. Um, and what's the other best ways for people to connect with what you're doing? Um, well, our website is our primary digital asset, as they say. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, so please do go on our website, BritishPilgrimage.org. Um, and uh, uh, sign up to the e-newsletter the mailing list because then you'll be you'll hear about all the different guided pilgrimages and uh you'll well all the all the news that we feel is worth telling you about and then and then all, and then there's instagram facebook and twitter um on uh, at pilgrim trust those are the first things you know just to get you through the door and then hopefully in onto the path eventually which, which we're, we're we're developing an app right now don't know how long it'll be before it's out but um pretty exciting that it could be out and it make it even easier for you to get on the path and just walk your own that's brilliant thank you so much and now just to put to you my final question which is what does joy mean to you guy um it means my heart bursting with positive outward energy and um and you're so light that you feel you can sort of like dance through life, like on your tiptoes. I'm so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests, you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.